the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hello, everyone. This is Russell Cox. I'm the editor of the Municipal Association's Uptown Publication and Digital Production Manager. Today, I'm joined by Eric Scheidel, General Counsel for the Municipal Association. Eric, how are you today? Uh, I'm, I'm great. I, uh, this is my first podcast recording, so I, I uh, let's say concerned, but great. This being your podcast debut, I thought it might be interesting to first ask, you know, general counsel for the Municipal Association, what is that role? Honestly, Russell, we're still trying to figure it out in some particulars. We haven't had a general counsel on staff at the Municipal Association in 15 years. Mm -hmm. So so far, the way we're developing the position as general counsel is, is in multiple fronts. The first thing I've done since I've been here is support for the advocacy group. So mm-hmm. our, our lobbyists who go to the General Assembly, I am not myself in an advocate or a lobbyist, but I have provided a fair amount of support, mm-hmm. reviewing legislation, drafting legislation, negotiating. Uh, number two is direct support for city attorneys and town attorneys. So if they have complicated questions or situations that are specialized, they have called me, emailed me, and I've provided support for them in those contexts. And the third thing, let's call it writing and speaking, and that is supporting the education function. We've done a fair amount of, I guess I've done four or maybe five presentations since I've been here at our affiliate meetings. Mm -hmm. I've written things for Uptown, uh, and so I'll be supporting from a lawyer's perspective the education function in writing and and presenting. Okay. Today in particular, we're talking about a handful of First Amendment-related legal cases that are of interest to cities and towns, and you've um, pulled together some truly interesting cases to talk about. I, these are all cases that have been decided in 2019. You, you mentioned that there's some overall themes to these cases we're going to be talking about. Right, right. So the way, we, we, the way I chose this topic is we, we looked at federal cases, cases mm-hmm. that are coming up at the federal level. And there's literally dozens of federal cases that affect local government law being decided every month. Mm-hmm. What emerged to me were t- two issues that I thought were should be a particular concern here in South Carolina from the probably hundred cases that I re- reviewed. First Amendment emerged as a as a really critical topic, and in the First Amendment, and for our listeners, just a, a reminder: what the First Amendment says is that Congress shall make no law. I'm going to paraphrase here: abridging freedom of speech or freedom of religion. It's more complicated than that. The First Amendment itself says Congress, but it has been made applicable to the state. So it applies to states. And the way this has played out, the themes that we're going to talk about today are, are two related issues. The, the first one is, is what we're going to call forum definitions. The idea is government can regulate speech in certain places. And the legal word for this is a forum. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a simple example. You can't pass a law that says no one is allowed to protest on the courthouse steps. Think about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. That was on public property on the Washington Mall. And you could not have passed a law saying that you can't have that speech and rally there Mm -hmm. because that's a certain type of form. On the other hand, what if someone wanted to give a speech in the city finance director's office? And you'd say, well, actually, that is public property, but that's not a forum. Mm-hmm. That's not a place that is designed for speech. And theme number two is, is an act of Congress that is called the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Person Act. And essentially what it says is it is a 
statutory, it's an act of Congress that implements part of the First Amendment. You can't discriminate against religious uses. You can't Mm -hmm. establish or prohibit a religion. And what this Religious Land Use Act says is your land use laws cannot discriminate against religious uses. So yes, for on public forum, the first one we have is Davison v. Randolph, uh, which connects to elected officials communicating via social media, I believe Facebook in this case. This, of course, is something that has only become more pertinent to local governments every passing year. So yeah, let's talk about Davison v. Randolph. This case comes out of the Fourth Circuit. Uh, there's 11 circuits plus the D.C. Circuit nationally. States are in different circuits. South Carolina is in the Fourth Circuit, along with North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, and Maryland. Mm -hmm. So this case is directly applicable to us. And what happened was there's a woman named Phyllis Randall. She's the chair of the Loudoun County, Virginia Board of Supervisors. She had established a Facebook page. She had a personal profile page, but she also had a page that was set up as the chair of the Board of Supervisors. There was a local agitator, Davison. Davison was convinced, according to the, to the case, he was convinced that there was corruption on the school board. He came to a meeting where the school board and the county were present. He made a comment at the meeting. After the meeting, Chairman Randall posted something to her Facebook page about the meeting. Mm-hmm. Davison commented on her post, again making his implications that there was corruption on the school board. And Chairman Randall said, I don't believe this is appropriate to be on my page, an implication that there was wrongdoing. So what she did was she deleted the entire post, not just Davison's response, but the entire post. Mm -hmm. And then she barred Davison's group, banned Davison's group from commenting on her Facebook page. Davison was upset and he brought suit saying, first, that she had violated his First Amendment rights. And secondly, that she had infringed his civil rights. I mean, so the, so the interesting question is, and, and this is what Chairman Randall says, is how could I have violated your First Amendment rights? Because first off, I'm not a government actor in mm-hmm. this context. Government is not passing a law saying you can't comment on my Facebook page. It's my Facebook page. And the second thing she says is my Facebook page is not a public forum where speech is protected. The facts that the court talks about are really heavily focused on how she used the page. The court was very concerned about the distinction between a Facebook profile and a Facebook page. And they said this page she had established as representative of the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors. And the court actually cited Facebook regulations saying that according to Facebook, I'm reading from the case here, this is a quote, according to Facebook, Inc., unlike personal Facebook profiles, which are for non-commercial use and represent individual people, Facebook pages help businesses, organizations, and brands share their stories and connect with people. You're speaking on behalf of the entity, the governmental entity in this case. Right. That that, That a page would be established by some sort of organization a company, a government. And then secondly, the court said, well, what is what does Chairman Randall do on the page? It really was always about her official responsibilities. She she used the Facebook page to notify the public of upcoming meetings. She talked about the subjects to be discussed at those meetings. Maybe she'd talk about the agenda. She used the page to tell Loudoun County residents about significant public safety issues. One thing that happened was there was a major snow event in Loudoun County. 
and she used it to coordinate response. So she was using this as, as, a, as a channel for official communications. Mm-hmm. And so what happened in the court's view was because she used it this way, because it was a page, because she had put the Loudoun County logo on the page, they viewed this as, as an official government channel for action. So ultimately, she is told in this case, you cannot shut this down. Yeah, so let's get there. First Amendment question is, has she abridged his freedom of speech? And and the Supreme Court of the United States has really established there's, there's three types of forums. The first type is what's called a traditional public forum. And a traditional public forum are what you think of when you think of the public square. They're the courthouse steps. Mm-hmm. They are the Washington Monument. They are places where ordinarily protesters would would gather. And in there, you have almost no ability to regulate speech at all. Mm-hmm. The second type of forum is what's called a limited or designated public forum. A limited or designated public forum is a place where it's not traditionally used for speech, but the government has made it available for speech at a certain time and under certain conditions. The classic example is city council chambers. They are a place where free speech is allowed, Mm -hmm. but only at certain times and only under certain conditions. Mm -hmm. The third type is what are called non-public forums. And the example of a non-public forum is the the finance director's office. Mm -hmm. The finance director needs to do their job. They got to do their work. And Mm -hmm. the taxpayers are paying a salary Mm -hmm. for this person to deliver services. You, You could think of even more outrageous examples. What about the interrogation room in the police station? That's public property, right? Mm-hmm. And police officers are doing public business there. <laughs> would, would a person be entitled to come in there and speak on any issue that occurred to them the way they could on the courthouse steps? Mm-hmm. All right, so how did this play out in the, in the Loudoun County case? The court ended up saying that this is a limited public forum, that because of what Chairman Randall has done, she has established a place, she has encouraged communication with constituents. Well, when you do that, you've created a limited public forum. It's really the virtual equivalent of public comment at a city council meeting. You can't then regulate it based on content after that. Well, actually, you can regulate it based on content. You can't regulate it based on viewpoint. The rule is, in a limited public forum, you can have reasonable rules. They can restrict based on content, but not on viewpoint. Let's say that on your Facebook page, you said there will be no discussions of school district business. That's content. That, if you can justify why you have that rule, that is actually permissible in a limited public forum. You can't bar viewpoint. You can't say you can't say anything negative about the school board here. That's a viewpoint restriction. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds a little esoteric. And the way to make sense of it is, if I say, hey, we're having Thanksgiving dinner with the in-laws and extended family this year, we're going to institute normal Thanksgiving dinner rules, which are don't talk about religion and don't talk about politics. That's a content restriction. That's appropriate under most circumstances. Now, if you say instead of that, you can't say anything bad about candidate X or you can't say anything good about political party Y. Mm-hmm. That's a viewpoint rule that says you can talk about that topic, but you can't have certain opinions. Now, what happened here is she banned the person who had a negative opinion. And that's viewpoint discrimination, and that is illegal. And that's the part you can't do. Right. You can't discriminate against someone because of their opinion. Let me summarize what I think the practical application of the Loudon case. 
I think that what local government officials need to realize is that first, their social media presence may end up being considered official government activity. Mm -hmm. Secondly, if it is considered official government activity, they may lose the right to moderate comments. And so, for example, if a mayor or a council member sets up a Facebook page or a Twitter account or something else and uses that to act as a council member or mayor, they may lose the right to delete comments or ban users who are critical of the government. So this is all very involved material. And for that reason, we've decided to make this podcast a two-parter. We are going to end it there. And in part two, we are going to get back into a few more court cases discussing religious land use as well as more public forum considerations. So please join us next time when we are going to keep discussing First Amendment issues. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.